This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shawik. In conjunction with the one-year anniversary since Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim was sworn in as Prime Minister of Malaysia last year, we're taking a look at the different issues in health and healthcare that the Prime Minister and his government should prioritise moving forward. Now, healthcare financing is something that has surfaced time and again under several administrations. But will Datuk Sri Anwar's government be the one to finally introduce much-needed reforms to ensure the provision of sustainable and equitable health services amid rising healthcare costs? Joining me on the show, Dr. Murali Munisami, co-chairperson of NCD Malaysia and medical director of National Cancer Cancer Society of Malaysia to share his thoughts on some hard truths that the government needs to consider. Morali, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, we have had this conversation about healthcare financing and we talked about it in the context of the uh, health white paper when it was first tabled mm-hmm. to parliament. Mm-hmm. And I just want to uh, maybe to start off with, we get a quick refresher. Our public health care is funded through general taxation, uh, while those who um, go to the private sector pay out of pocket directly to the private healthcare facilities or through health insurance. So there have been many concerns about our financing system, that it's unsustainable. If you can share from NCSM and NCD Malaysia's perspective, what are the gaps when it comes to patients' access to care? Um, what are people able to afford or not afford? How are patients disadvantaged in any cases? Okay, so to put it like a very simply, people who are in public health care essentially don't have to pay anything, but the service is super congested. So in like you end up waiting long periods, you don't get as much uh, care, sometimes medication that you need is unavailable for you. Uh, these are the problems within the public health care sector, even though there's really no financial burden on to about 90, 95% of the population. Now, on the other hand, so which is why people like choose to go to private health care. The problem with private health care is uh, many like we've got like insurance coverage is like 20% in this country for health insurance. So in so you you may have some support from your employer who then gives you employer coverage. Um, and, and again, that really falls between that little crack. So maybe improving from 20 to about 30 odd percent. Everybody else has to pay out of pocket. And uh, when you pay out of pocket, medicine is not cheap, especially with non-communicable diseases. So at every part of the way, and, and it's uh, different in a, in a kind of dengue uh, or like a uh, you get into a car accident, um, you get treated, get surgery, things get better, everybody settles down, you're happy. Now, problem with non-communicable diseases, the story is ongoing. You're going like two decades, three decades, four decades. So it's the, the expense is just killing you, killing most of us like, as much as the disease is. So, and that's where the challenge is. So the big uh, kind of uh, hope from the health white paper has been, how can we bring this huge amount of services nice hospitals, um, uh, amazing amount of like clinical uh, staff in the private sector. How can we get the the average Joe, the people who are getting, uh, what is this, uh, services in the government sector, how can they kind of get a little closer to this? And more importantly, so that that's one layer. And the second layer is, and, and equally as important, how can we push a little bit more money into the 
public sector uh, to make sure that you know we can upgrade services and all that a bit. So that that's been really the challenge of the health white paper. Uh, I mean, sorry, that's the challenge that the health white paper has been trying to address. So um, if you were to ask me, have they been taking uh, some steps towards it? Uh, I think we are slow baby steps, but I think that's a really good and cautious path to take. Unfortunately, many, 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 many governments since the 80s actually have uh, tried to do health financing reform and failed. Yeah, exactly. You say no financial burden if people go to the public health sector for services, but um, somebody is actually still paying for this, right? And if we factor in medical inflation, which if I can quote the 2023 Global Medical Trend Rates report published by Aeon, our estimated medical inflation rate is 12%, increasing on an average of 10 to 15% annually. Uh, what does this actually mean in terms of um, government's expenditure on healthcare? So um, I have to tell you that um, there is a dichotomy there as well. Okay, quite a lot of medical inflation is driven uh, in the private sector. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, due to private sector use of services, and there's an element of uh, overuse as well of uh, services in the private sector. But also, there's an element of people are just coming in Malaysia a lot more sicker into the hospital. People wait until they're about to die, then only they'll come to the hospital, I suppose. And then they cost a lot of money as opposed to, you know, uh, if they came in like a, like at stage one or a lot earlier in the disease, and then it's just a lot more cheaper to treat them. So that's, that's that as well. But factoring that into play, uh, to the person who's actually paying the bill, meaning to the common person, this cost that you're talking about in the public sector, is not visible to me. So really, most people don't care. And that that's the heart of the problem. People like think like, hey, I paid one ringgit, I paid five ringgit, I'm the champion. You know, I have done my bit to pay for healthcare. And and that's where you're absolutely right. People actually don't understand the true costs of, of getting healthcare in the public sector. Now, in the private sector, again, there's some uh, element of uh, uh, smoothening as well, uh, as, as, I, as I like to call the term, because people who pay via insurance don't really, they don't feel that kind of uh, the payment you know, it doesn't come out of their pocket. Yep. But for those people who pay out of pocket, then they really can see that that things are going up. But what is going up in, in line with medical inflation is, um, one, because medical inflation doesn't only uh, cross in the private sector in terms of uh, insurance premiums keep on going up year on year for medical cards and stuff. So that's a, that's a big impact on to people directly because now they have to pay more for premiums. But it also increases the overhead costs of hospitals and services as well. And again, this is then translated back as cost to the consumer. But equivalently, these similar kind of rise in costs in terms of goods in the public sector, because in in the public sector, your salaries are kept, right? Mm -hmm. The government fixes the salary for you every month. So in terms of human resource costs, that is quite controlled in the public sector. But the price of drugs, for example, or equipment, or, you know, all these consumables that keeps on climbing up and, mm-hmm. and that actually increases uh, the costs in the public sector as well. Again, keeping in mind that the government allots a fixed budget. So you you then are able to do a lot less with that same amount of money. Mm. 
your tax dollars may not necessarily get you the healthcare, the optimal healthcare that you need, even though Absolutely. yeah, you can just pay one ringgit or five ringgit. So, I mean, I had a question, how urgently do we need health financing reforms? I mean, obviously, I think that question answers itself. But um, would you say that the current government in its short you know, admittedly, one-year term. Have they prioritised health financing reforms? What has been done right so far? So, okay, what has been done right so far is really, really important because, for one, for the first time, you have a clear mandate, okay? Look, um, uh, a lot of work was done by the previous outgoing health minister, YBKJ, to actually put out this idea of health white paper. But you have to give a lot of credit to Dr. Zaliha's team for actually having the tenerity to actually push this right through parliament, which is a very crucial step that a lot of people kind of don't see because what you need is that this this country doesn't have a presidential type election where people fight on issues, right? So if you are electing MPs on a, on a constituency level, okay? Now, we need to think like health reform, the only way to actually get consensus from the people is actually to take this this document, go to parliament and get the consensus. And that they have done. So what they have now in their hand is a document that has the majority approval of the people of this country. Right. They've given you Mm -hmm. their because through their elected representatives, the people have said basically, yes, I am willing to pay for healthcare more than I have, I am willing for the government to go and do health reform. So these are the important messages that are coming out from the health white paper and the process that has gone through in parliament. So they have a very, I I don't want to, I mean, I can see no other close word, but the word is mandate, right? So they have a very clear mandate from the people's elected representatives. Look, this is a green light, now go ahead and do it, which is what has been really a difficult thing for various governments to do. Every time they go back to the the riot and talk about it, there's there's always been this like kind of big opposition. Mm. Yep. Now, of course, detractors will tell you, oh, you know, a lot of people said yes to the health wide reform paper. They don't even know what they were saying yes to. But irrespective, a mandate has been obtained. So now the Ministry of Health, Ministry of Finance, whatever all your planning ministries are, have have very clear mandates on how to proceed. People have said yes to health financing reform. Very, very critical step, one. Second, and equally important thing is, they've actually put in very small, I use the word small in a relative sense, small trials of actually how they're going to do the system. And one of those biggest things is actually to do procurement, okay, of services. Because in the health white papers, one of the other things that, like I said, I, I told you at the beginning of this conversation, the idea is to integrate closer the private sector and the public sector. So how do I make use of the hospitals and the doctors in the private sector? I basically have to buy services, right? Uh, that That's one step. Two, um, uh, how to say, experiments which work are, one, our Pekka B40, um, where the government kind of bought services from private GPs, right? And now mm-hmm. they've expanded that. So the second experiment was actually to put in this scheme uh, Purubata Madani, where under Pekka B40, you bought basically diagnosis like a one-time episode. People came, they checked for their health, 
and then you know the, the government paid these doctors who did did the checking now with screen purubata madani they've expanded it a bit people can do treatment as well okay cost like limited kind of a picture they 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 can't do as much treatment but they they're trying the model it seems to work so the next step will be for them to expand to actually allow people with ncds like diabetes and all that to be treated from the gps and then government to actually reimburse that so that way we'll kind of shift quite a significant burden away from the primary care level mm. now at the secondary care hospital care i think if i'm not mistaken ucsi hospital and a couple of other hospitals are trying this where they're going to actually start taking government patients mm. and then the government will pay so for example uh you go to ucsi or hospital or whichever it is and you do like a surgery and the surgery is paid for by government so in that way uh you will actually uh kind of move the congestion a bit away from government hospitals and mm. utilize uh private kind of infra which is already there and and of course the manpower human resources there so these are all little experiments which don't seem to be important but they're really critically important because they're actually testing our mechanism of buying services um if we look at what's also been proposed in the health white paper some of the reforms that may need quite a mindset shift would be things like um revision of the fees at public healthcare uh, uh, centers progressive contribution scheme um how do you think these will address those issues that you raised uh, when we first started our discussion okay so for one right um there has to be and for a long time you, you couldn't do this yeah and if i'm not mistaken you still can't do this uh in in many settings you can't actually use private insurance to pay for public health care though only now slowly some companies are rolling it out mm. meaning and the government has become more accepting of actually getting private insurance patients in government hospitals even if they were paying first class or whatever it is before this that that, that mechanism didn't uh, exist so over time what you will actually need and and will be this big players uh like for example employers with big health insurance like for example GLCs like actually will will be the first people to make the move they should push uh people to be able to see care in uh, public sector settings uh as well as to allow them to seek in private sector settings as well and when people do that currently they go under 1 ringgit 5 ringgit but for example uh they like company x has 50000 employees and now company x says okay look i will pay a certain amount to the government uh to allow my employees to now use uh public healthcare um and and that will then shift a bit of the money across to increase government kind of uh, pooling um so not an easy process of course i'm trying to summarize all this within like 2 minutes uh but that will be how you gradually move funds over um so once the big players with with a lot of numbers of people move people like epf soxo so for example in many countries not in ours soxo actually provides uh medical coverage or healthcare coverage mm-hmm. so and and people who are uh, epf like contributors or soxo contributors they will actually from their contributions a certain pot will already go to a health insurance and that and that pot will then be transferred into the public sector pot lah to be used both in public and private so these gradual movements will take time Mm-hmm. uh and only then really we will finally get the common man meaning people who are not formally working uh in in any kind of organization with your small daytime workers your hawkers and all that they will then slowly buy this this kind of insurance or something that will enable them to use public sector as well as uh private sector so the these channels are something that 
that needs to be created mm. over time, mm. over time. So the other big fellas who actually need to move uh, in terms of more money allocation will, will actually be from civil service. So very similar model. I think the closest country who did this big change is Thailand. Uh, and and that's it's almost two decades since they they made the progression. So civil servants moved first as a, as a pocket into the health insurance, like a bigger uh, coverage scheme, and then followed by social security. And then only they had a uh, kind of uh, how to say movement of individuals. So what they did is at the community level, daira level, uh, kampung level, people will buy as a cooperative into the health insurance. But but. There's a big caveat to this. The government needs to make sure that it continues to fund either the premiums, okay, if, if such a social health insurance or whatever the term came in, it needs to fund the B40. So it'll need to pay those premiums for the B40s because they won't be able to afford it. Mm. Um, you said that the actually the key thing was that mandate um, given by the Rakyat through our representatives to the government and the, you know the necessary agencies to to really um, start this. What do you want to see in terms of actions, though? Because okay, the voices have been heard. What, what are the concrete steps that the government needs to do now? Okay, so one is like, like I said, they've already doing this uh, strategic purchasing procurement. Mm-hmm. That kind of ideas have already we, we've seen those little experiments coming out and expanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is like I said, the big monster in the room. Like you have to actually somebody has to take the step to start up this this kind of uh, pot of, I, I don't know, whatever you call it, community, uh, like social health insurance or some kind of uh, tighter single-payer single pay model. So I, I think a lot of advocacy work is going on in that, 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 that direction. And look, it's not a road that we have gone down before. If uh, many people hate the use of this term, one care, uh, but actually under one care, which was a very, very, very organized structured plan, actually, um, you would have actually had a, a big kind of autonomous entity that would then control these funds. The problem is the way the political climate is now structured, people don't trust any of these big new entities anymore. It's always a place uh, which is kind of viewed with a lot of suspicion. People are worried to be, there'll be a lot of corruption going on. Uh, so that that's really the concerns. Again, it comes back to like people need to be able to trust the institutions enough for them to be able to put money. On the part of the population, um, do we still have this perception that healthcare must be subsidised or free? Uh, or do you think the public uh, is willing to uh, start bearing their responsibility as well? So the, the thing is, okay, um, and, and this is quite a... Uh, an interesting concept. People are already paying for healthcare through tax. Yes. Right? So what it is, is unfortunately is invisible. Meaning there's no, like you're not paying $1 directly to a health tax because that that that, that hasn't been the policy of the government. But insurance really is a form of another form of earmarking, uh, which a lot of people don't get actually. Uh, so if, if um, you were paying directly, instead of indirectly, that would actually be the biggest change. Will you end up paying more? Uh, Marginally, yes. But I think, again, there's so many studies out which have looked at uh, whether people are willing and able, okay, to pay slightly more for healthcare. There's there's all these different studies. And 
about the, I, I think there was a very big study about four or five years ago, and it said that more than 90% of the kind of uh, paying population actually is very willing and able to pay mm. for some sort of like more stable health insurance system. All right. Uh, I have to wrap up now, but Murali, a final message um, from your lips to the government's ears. <laughs> Short story, just do it. We, we need to take that step. The, so all these little experiments are running extremely well done. Look, we've progressed quite a bit. The next step is to consolidate the, the funding pot. Um, we have to roll it out. But as with anything in Malaysia, it needs a lot of engagement. We, 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 we need to engage at every different level. Not only, I would actually tell you, ignore anybody working in healthcare uh, because they're already bought in. You need to go to the common person who's not in healthcare, the common riot. They need to be bought in. Because if not, they start, and, and in today's social media, just a lot of negative uh, reinforcing narratives will then will, will then crop up. But we just, 2020, 2024 needs to be the year we swing into some kind of model, social health insurance, or some single kind of financing model that needs to come up. And if you've mentioned uh, a lot of good work is already going on, the public needs to know more about this so that, that they do build that trust in what the government is doing. Thank you so much, Murali. Uh, I've been speaking to Dr. Murali Munisami, co-chairperson of NCD Malaysia, on the um, urgent reforms that the government needs to put in place for health financing. This is Health and Living, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.